2: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: Welcome to the Daily Face-Off show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and
3: analysis. Live every weekday at New Eastern.
2: With one foot in the frying pan and the other one in the pressure cooker. It all comes down to this, at least for the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. The Stanley Cup playoffs, Mike, are all they've ever known in their five-year existence in the NHL. And for the first time on Tuesday night, the Vegas Golden Knights have a chance to be eliminated from playoff contention or... They have a chance to really make up ground on the team they're chasing with them squaring off against the Dallas Stars tonight. Welcome in, everybody, to the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Tuesday, April 26th. He is former NHL netminder Mike McKenna. We are streaming live on DailyFaceoff.com as well as Twitter and YouTube. Mike, you got your popcorn ready for tonight?
3: Oh, I'm ready to muck it, man. I might have to order pizza, everything, DoorDash, you name it, it's going to show up. Like, You think about tonight's game uh, between the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. And realistically speaking, it's probably the most important of the year across the entire NHL. I mean, we're facing an elimination game. And to me, Frank, it has shades of September 14th, 2020, of when the Dallas Stars beat the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 5 of the conference finals. Uh, It feels a lot like that coming into it. It's do or die for Vegas. Their backs are against the wall. They can live on if they win this game and actually put themselves into a decent position. If Vegas were to win tonight, they would be only one point behind the Dallas Stars. So they have life, but it could be over very quickly here, Frank. They have got to have a good start to tonight's game. And then they got to close it out because everybody saw what happened not too long ago against the San Jose Sharks when the Golden Knights simply couldn't get it done when they had to.
2: Yeah, it's not just the game against the Sharks, but also a number of games leading up to this point. The Golden Knights could have been in much better position, um, you know, had they won some previous games along the way. Uh, Logan Thompson in net for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's the expectation. What would your confidence level be like if you were playing for the Golden Knights at this point and you were in that room tonight? I wouldn't be great. I mean, you
3: just lost to San Jose, who had no business beating the Golden Knights, but they were playing inspired. They come from behind, score what really should have been two goals with an empty net. Um, it's not great. You just lost to the New Jersey Devils recently as well. Like the Golden Knights, despite having a pretty strong lineup at this point. Haven't been able to close out games and play to the strength that they should so far. And then you throw all the drama in from the past week. It's just been a lot, Frank. I know they're focused on the task at hand, but I can't imagine that deep down they're actually thinking that they're a team that can just flip the switch right now. I think all season long they've thought that and believed it, but reality staring them in the face right now. They have to win tonight.
2: Yeah, they've sort of been running out of runway. And as you mentioned, mm-hmm. statistically, if the Golden Knights do lose tonight in regulation, it, it is over. These are the scenarios. And there's a lot riding on it really for the a lot of the Western Conference. It's not just if the Stars win in regulation that they clinch. Of course they do. But also the Nashville Predators clinch in addition to the Los Angeles Kings. The eight playoff teams from the West will be set on Tuesday night if the Stars win in regulation and the thing is with the Golden Knights we just touched upon they will have some life they'd be one point back with two games to play and take a look at the schedules here the Golden Knights it's a back-to-back scenario for both teams Uh, the Stars are home against Arizona on Wednesday night the Golden Knights are in Chicago and also close out on Friday night in St. Louis The Dallas Stars close out on Friday night at home against the Anaheim Ducks. So two non-playoff teams for the Stars. The Golden Knights have their work cut out for them. And you mentioned the drama. should just mention quickly that the Vegas Golden Knights announced on Monday afternoon after our show wrapped up, that goaltender Robin Leonard will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. We reported here at Daily Faceoff back on February 15th that Leonard had a torn labrum in his shoulder that would eventually require surgery. Full marks to Robin Leonard for what he battled through this season for the Vegas Golden Knights. Through all that pain of the torn labrum, I believe there was a rotator cuff issue in addition to What we now believe is a fractured tibia right near the kneecap. So it's been a lot of pain uh, for Robin Leonard and he's battled through it and had given the Golden Knights a chance to win. And you mentioned the drama, that pretty significant goalie pull from Pete DeBoer last Mm -hmm. week, coupled with Pete DeBoer's remarks publicly that Robin Leonard was, quote, healthy and well-rested probably didn't sit too well with Leonard and others in the organization and nor should it Mike. So we touched on the golden Knights at stars. That is the biggest game of the season, but there's also a lot else on the line. this is appointment viewing. I am going to be firmly planted on my couch tonight. You take a look at these games, the, Uh, Calgary Flames against the Nashville Preds. The Predators can can clinch their playoff spot in a myriad of different ways. We'll have all the scenarios on dailyfaceoff.com shortly. The Metropolitan Division title is up for grabs if the Carolina Hurricanes defeat the New York Rangers in any fashion. The Washington Capitals there can also leapfrog the Pittsburgh Penguins if they win against the New York Islanders in any fashion and the Penguins lose in regulation. Speaking of that, Penguins-Oilers game, the juicy McDavid versus Crosby matchup that we know so well from the last number of years. Well, the Edmonton Oilers can clinch the second spot in the Pacific division and home ice in the first round if they defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins in any fashion as well. Uh, The Florida Panthers, they're not on this board. They can win the President's Trophy tonight. The Toronto Maple Leafs can lock up second spot in the Atlantic and home ice in the first round. And their matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning can also be locked in and guaranteed tonight. The Wild are battling for the second seed in the Central and home ice in their first round game uh you've got the st louis blues also playing tonight as well so mike almost every game on the calendar means something tonight
3: yeah it's a lot different than last night when we saw chicago and philadelphia go head to head and everybody probably looked at that game and went well we got a night off from watching which is unfortunate because both those teams have people that are playing for something but I, i think tonight realistically looking at it the toronto detroit game i think that's all about toronto grabbing home ice if you're playing against tampa which seems pretty much locked in for the first round you want to be at home you don't want to have to go to tampa which is a difficult building to play in and another one that stands out is calgary nashville this is potentially a preview of a first round matchup uh, of two teams that play really hard i've been impressed with nashville all season but i think if you're nashville you really want to win this game, and you want to get points down the stretch here because you don't want to face Colorado if you can avoid it. You'd rather go through Calgary, and this is a good way to set the table for it. So um quite a bit going on here. Edmonton, L.A., if L.A. can... knock off edmonton that's big but if you're edmonton you're thinking yeah we'd really like to have home ice advantage and not have to travel to la if at all possible so plenty on the line here frank and like you said i mean our fingers are going to be doing this man (laughs) you get in between periods we're going to be going back and forth between all these exciting games
2: Yeah, I'm going to be going back and forth between all these games. And as I mentioned, this story on dailyfaceoff.com that lists all the implications for each game. We'll have that up shortly after today's show. That brings us to our week-long NHL awards conversation that we've been having, the Lady Bing. I know not necessarily a sexy award in the sense that no one really talks about it uh, much throughout the season. But when I take a look at this season and the way that it's played out... In terms of gentlemanly play and sportsmanship, coupled with a high uh, output in terms of uh, on-ice play, there's really one guy that I'm looking at to this point, and that's Kyle Connor from the Winnipeg Jets. A 45-goal, 89-point season, a career year for Kyle Connor, and he was also whistled for a grand total of two minor penalties throughout <laughs> the season. Mike, what? who stands out for you?
3: Well, it doesn't make very interesting watching for everybody that's viewing us right now, but I had Kyle Connor at the top of my list as well for the reasons you mentioned. But I also have Jared Spurgeon circle. And, you know, 30 points in 64 games as a defenseman for the Minnesota Wild. He's been critical to that club. He only has 10 penalty minutes. He's been a nominee previously. And I think, you know, for a defenseman in the National Hockey League, it's, it's tough to play hard and put up points and stay out of the penalty box, you know, especially if you're in difficult situations and Spurgeon plays in all three of those. So I had him circled and I still wonder if a goalie will ever win this, Frank. I just, I don't see it possible. Marc-Andre Fleury's like the natural selection for it. I was trying as hard as I could to find a goalie I wanted to slot in, but I, I think it's Connor's race. I think Spurgeon's a good pick. Um, but yeah, you look at Connor, 45 goals, four penalty minutes. How can you play that hard and that clean? That says an awful lot.
2: Yeah, can we focus on just getting a defenseman to win the Lady Bing before we worry about trying to wedge goaltenders in there? I know you're carrying the, well, the hey. goalie union there, but come on, man. Defenseman, it's S- so much harder to defend than play goal and not take a penalty. Seriously?
3: Dude, you're crazy. Your bias is ridiculous. Slavin just won. Jakob Dimmy, come on, man. Slavin just took it all like ah. Come on. I just I just want to root for the goalie See, look, last year, defenseman first on the list, I guess. After that. I mean, Nathan McKinnon won a Lady yeah. Bing. That's that's a good one. So <laughs> that wouldn't happen this year, would it, Frank?
2: Uh no, probably not. Uh Ryan Pulak has also been pretty good. I know he's only played 54 games this season. He leads the NHL and the penalties minutes. taken per 60 minutes. He has two Minor, he has one minor penalty, two penalty minutes all season long, playing 21 minutes north of that per night. Uh, Kyle Connor, as we mentioned, just behind him. Uh, a number of interesting candidates, especially on the blue line this season as well. Uh, Mike wanted to touch on our down and out series. We'll continue that as we get closer to the end of the regular season this Friday. And today we're focusing on the Ottawa Senators who have missed the playoffs yet again. Uh, Been a tough season in Ottawa in the sense, Mike, that I think a lot of people were expecting this team to be better than they were to take that next step in the process. When you look at the Sens, what stands out as the number one priority for this team heading into the offseason?
3: Well, they need support players. Right now, they have an amazing core of young t- young talent. I mean, when you look at Kachuk and Batherson and Norris, Brown, Shabbat, like there's a lot of players to really like in that locker room that are gonna be good for a long time. I didn't even mention Stutzla. So that's what you have as your base, but you can't expect just the young guys to carry the mail. You have to support them and surround them with quality veterans, with leaders. Not that I think, I mean, Brady Kachuk, great leader, but you need more of that in the room. So. If if the Canucks are, sorry, if the Senators are just going to wheel out another lineup that's 15 million bucks under the salary cap, they're not going to be successful next year. I mean, don't tell that to the Rangers or the Predators this year who aren't up against the cap, but just about every other decent team is. And like Frank, I just don't know where Ottawa goes in terms of spending right now, considering when Eugene Melnick passed, for what we can understand, the team was put into the hands of his two daughters who live in Barbados and I'm not sure their interest level. So what's the plan here? Will they spend? That's what it comes down to for me, Frank. They just need more and better to support that young talent.
2: I think they'll spend. I think this is the year that they know they need to, you know, break through I think and, and make up some ground on the Atlantic division. You take a look at those teams at the top, they're going to be really tough to catch and to try and break into that playoff position. But You're also kind of right near the floor as well, the salary cap floor, and probably will need to spend a bit. When you talk about surrounding this team, Mike, with proper veterans, are you surprised that they traded away a player like Nick Paul instead of re-signing him to what probably could have been a a contract that could have been had? Four years, three million, something like that. When you've got a homegrown player that has developed into a nice support player, as you mentioned, is he someone that the Sens should have kept?
3: I thought so. And I thought it came down to not a lot of money to be able to keep him. And it's a bigger message. It was yet another homegrown talent that walked away. And you can go down the list. I mean, Mark Stone, Nick Paul, I know those two are in a little bit different category, but it just keeps happening. I will put one caveat on this with Ottawa, Frank. I think they're actually in a pretty good place with goaltending. Forsberg was really good this year. And I know Murray's been in and out of the lineup, but at least going into next year, they're pretty stable there. I wouldn't say great or top end, but I think it's not necessarily their biggest concern.
2: Yeah, well, you couldn't have said that last summer, given the concerns about Mary. And you're right. The way that Forsberg has stepped up has certainly been a nice improvement for the Ottawa Senators. I wonder what they do on their back end to maybe get Mm -hmm. a little bit better there as well. They have some players coming. Uh, and another name that's been kicked around a lot. What happens with Ottawa resident Claude Giroux this summer, a pending unrestricted free agent as he embarks on his playoff run with the Florida Panthers, where he's been north of a point-per-game player since being acquired by the Cats. And a lot of people are wondering, will the Sens go after a player like Giroux to help fill out their lineup? And I think it makes it a lot easier If Giroux and the cats go on a deep long run and perhaps hoist that Stanley Cup, then all of a sudden maybe changes a little bit of the equation for Giroux, who doesn't have to chase that cup quite as much and can be in a really comfortable setting and scenario. Mike, that brings us to the blue paint. Let's talk about playoff goaltenders. All right, Mike, it's time for this week's edition of the Blue Paint delivered by DoorDash. Mike wanted to start. Tyler gave you a little bit of a homework assignment here on the Blue Paint. He had you break our 16 likely playoff goaltenders and their tandems into three different tiers. We're calling them confident, concerned, and worried. Let's start with the teams that you are worried about with their goaltending heading into the first round, you have listed the Toronto Maple Leafs, Washington Capitals, Los Angeles Kings, and Edmonton Oilers. Let's start with the Oilers because I think a lot of people look at Mike Smith's play over the last number of weeks. They look at his playoff body of work and track record and they say, why can't Mike Smith be exactly the goaltender that we need? Yet, you're worried. Why?
3: I share those exact same thoughts about Mike Smith in the past month. He's been phenomenal. Two shutouts, 949 save percentage in April, 8-0. My main concern is his health. He's missed a lot of hockey this year. He, he's had concerns in the past. Can he keep it going? Did he peak too early? I just, at this stage, can't say with the Oilers goaltending, I'm confident in it because I feel like they're one injury away or one bad thing from happening away from it all going south. Koskinen's had a tough April when Smith has taken over. So that's the reason why I'm worried, not as much about Smith's play. Cause like I say, I think he's been phenomenal. Now, Frank, when we go up and down this list, we'll look at Toronto. Okay. Which Jack Campbell are you going to get? And if Jack Campbell's not healthy, boy, then things really change because you've got Eric Schalgren who, you know, stabilized the crease but he's really struggled lately. So I worry about them. I look at Washington, Vanacek and Samsonov, neither of them has grabbed the crease there. Both of them sub 90 save percentage of recently and LA Kings. I know people are gonna think I'm crazy on this one, Frank. I have concerns about the mechanical nature of Jonathan Quick's game. I don't think Cal Peterson's going to be the playoff goaltender. He's really struggled lately. Quick had a great start and he's had a good finish. The middle portion of the season was terrible for Quick. And I think that his game could be exposed. There's elements that the top teams find against him that makes it easier to score. I haven't seen his game updated lately. So that's where I am in the worried column, Frank. But I'm more optimistic on some of these other teams.
2: Yeah, just a quick note on Jonathan Quick. He's won his last four straight and has given up a total of five goals in his last four appearances. He's been pretty darn good as Cal Peterson, as you mentioned, has gotten absolutely shelled 12 goals against in his last two starts. So that brings us, Mike, to the concerned category. You've got six teams listed in that category, the Carolina Hurricanes, Pittsburgh Penguins, Florida Panthers, Boston Bruins, St. Louis Blues and the Dallas Stars. I think the I can understand why Carolina, with the injuries that they're facing, question right. mark-wise, same thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Tristan Jari. Two teams sort of stand out to me here. One is the Florida Panthers, given that Sergei Bobrovsky has actually been, you know, okay. He's found his game a little bit over these last number of weeks. And you look at Spencer Knight, and I'm like, okay, I think they could probably get by with those two guys. The other one is the St. Louis Blues and Ville Husso. Husso has been pretty darn good almost all season long. What gives you cause for concern? Let's start with the Blues. So
3: with St. Louis, my major concern is that Ville Husso, who's presumably going to be the starting goalie for the Blues when they start the Stanley Cup playoffs, even though Benetton's played pretty strong hockey lately, he doesn't have the playoff experience, and the Blues have relied heavily on goaltending this year. The Blues have scored on the rush. They've scored on power play, but they've given up a ton five on five defensively and huso's covered up for a lot of that so my main question is can he do that in playoffs against a team like minnesota that he showed well against this year so is bennington but what happens that it's just the inexperience factor and that st louis does give up a lot of chances so i feel good about where they are i just need to see it proven to me and then when we go to talk about the florida panthers this gets interesting because That team is so good that I'm not sure the level that Bobrovsky and Knight have had to face in terms uh, of, uh, you know, facing a tough uh, schedule, man, of adversity, of things that they had to battle through. Bob just keeps winning. And Spencer Knight, since he came back from the American League after the All-Star break, has done a nice job as well. But what happens when these games tighten up? Are they going to get the big save? Are they used to having to clamp down in the last minute or two? I don't think as often. So again, it's more of a prove it scenario to me there. Uh, And the rest of the teams, for the reasons you named, especially for Carolina and Penguin, it's injury concerns. Boston, you've got two unproven playoff goaltenders who I like. I just need to see it. And kind of the same way with Dallas and Ottinger. His career just kind of continues to go on the upward curve. Can he steal games in playoffs should Dallas make it in?
2: It's kind of impressive how many games Jake Ottinger has played near closing in on fifty for the Dallas Stars this year. I don't know if people realize how much work he's gotten this year with the Stars. And we touched on Ville Huso. All he does is win, man. Twenty-two four and five record with a nine twenty save percentage over the last thirty-two games. It's whew. He's been really, really good. So uh, I'm curious to see how far Vilihuso can take the St. Louis Blues. That first round series, you're going to be covering it between the Blues and the Wild. That is going to be a titanic matchup because I could see either one of those two teams, not just giving Colorado a headache, but also going all the way to the Stanley Cup. That brings us to our last tier of goaltenders heading into the playoffs. Uh, Tandems, not so much here at this point. It's sort of one main guy. And that's the confident category. The New York Rangers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota Wild, Calgary Flames, and Nashville Predators. I think if you were to take the top dog from each of those six teams, Mike, in some order, they would probably be and maybe even starting with this order exactly at the top, at least with Igor Shosturkin and the Rangers, pretty good idea of what your Vezina Trophy ballot might look like.
3: Yeah, this is a rock solid uh, top end of the spectrum here, man. Like even with both with these clubs that I've included, you're looking at tandems that are pretty good, Okay, Like the only one that I might take out of that mix would be Nashville, where David Riddick hasn't been quite to the level of some of the other backups within this category for me. I mean, even with the Rangers, Georgiev hadn't had a great season. Well, he's turned it on lately. That club's had four shutouts in their last 11 games. Uh, Tampa, it's the Vasilevsky factor, the best money goaltender in hockey, I think. And then down the list, like Darcy Kemper hasn't gotten the respect he deserved this year. From where he started to where he is now, he's been phenomenal in the second half. Francois has been good. Minnesota with the one-two punch of Talbot and Flurry, And even Vladar behind Markstrom in Calgary. As the season's gone on, The numbers of those two have started to converge. Vladar's played really good hockey in a supporting role there. So I would feel completely confident with all six of these teams that I've listed. Uh, And I think it's just a matter of which one of these goalies is able to steal the most games and take their team the furthest.
2: Interesting. This has been another edition of the blue paint. We're curious to see if any one of those goaltending situations, maybe certainly if you look down a little bit further, the concerned or the worried category, maybe one of them can write the ship. Maybe there's someone here with not a lot of playoff experience that can go on. I don't know. Think of a Matt Murray type run from a number of years back that ended up taking his team to the promised land. This has been another edition of the blue paint delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen, DFODD. If you're in Canada, US, if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. We just mentioned all the playoff implications tonight. You're not getting up from your couch. You're not cooking. DoorDash has all your favorites and more delivered right to your door. <coughs> Right, mike that brings us to our daily face off inbox question of the day hashtag ask dfo mike it's masterton trophy time one of my favorite awards of the year it's certainly one of pride for us from the professional hockey writers association in which 32 nominees come from all 32 teams around the league we've had a chance to tell their stories and inform fans all season long about these players and their path and their journey and there's always a few really good candidates. I uh, wanted to get your take on who stands out for you this year in terms of the Masterton Trophy. No shortage of quality candidates, from Carey Price and what he's battled through in Montreal, to the Zdeno Chara and his long career and service to the game. Kyle Lock is a guy that came back from. Uh, from a tough start the last few years in his career in Buffalo and has been great. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff playing the final games of his career. It's, wow, some really good candidates. Who sticks out for you?
3: Yeah, the three of them for me were all players that had been injured and managed to come back from it and play strong. So um, the top of my list is Tyler Sagan. And especially having an insider knowledge of this and being his teammate, Like I, I know firsthand how you know, how injured he had been previously in his career and the amount of work he needed last season to get back to form this year. Hip surgery, knee surgery, And Sagan's had a great last half of the year, 32 points in 39 games after only playing three games last season. I mean, there were real concerns whether he'd be able to play, much less succeed. So I've got Sagan at the top of my list. I also think Jack Eichel coming back and having neck surgery, returning to the lineup for Vegas, which opened the door for other players. Okay, Tyler Johnson's now had that same disc replacement surgery. I think that's a big deal. And um, Tarasenko would have been my third pick coming back from shoulder surgery. So what about you, Frank? Who do you have leading the charge here?
2: Yeah, I actually already voted and Tarasenko was my number one pick. I'm not going to give away the other two guys I had on my list. uh, But Tarasenko was number one for me. I don't think enough people have talked about what he battled through. And it's not just a trade request. That's a lot of what the public saw. But to go back and think about the two botched shoulder surgeries that he had, And the criticism that came from the St. Louis Blues organization, even though their own doctor had screwed up the surgeries, they had sort of pointed the finger throughout the rehab process at Tarasenko saying, you're not committed. And that wasn't the case at all. There was an issue with the surgery both times. He goes back under the knife a third time, finally gets it fixed. In the meantime, the St. Louis Blues had sort of, I don't want to say mocked him behind the scenes, but certainly at the very least questioned him. And he went that, underwent that third surgery last summer in Colorado, vowed to come back healthy, asked for a trade request because the Blues didn't necessarily believe in him and has come out after being exposed in the expansion draft, not taken by the Seattle Kraken and has a career year, career high in points with 82, hit the 80 point barrier for the first time, and 34 goals. He's back to being the sniper that he always was for the Blues. No real shock now that the guy's fully healthy. And I think the number of teams that passed on trading for Tarasenko, or if you're the Kraken picking Tarasenko, are certainly ruining that decision today.
3: I agree with you. That's why I had him so high on my list as well. He's been amazing to watch. That chemistry he has with Robert Thomas and Bushnevich. watch out, man. That's the reason why St. Louis is so dangerous leading into playoffs.
2: Talented player, and I also think a really committed guy to the organization. I think that really hurt him when the St. Louis Blues questioned his character a bit throughout this process. That brings us to our daily face-off, daily bet segment. Tyler Remchuk, a loser last night, but still in the positive. Mm -hmm. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, we're still in the positive up 8.2 units and it is a loaded night in the NHL and I am all over this slate tonight will define my betting regular season. So let's get right into it, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. I have three plays, actually. I just added one in the last couple of minutes as I was looking over the starting goalies at dailyfaceoff.com. but I'm starting with the old regulation parlay of two big favorites. I love Tampa on home ice. I love Toronto on home ice. The Leafs are 7-2-1 and one in their last 10 games, facing a Red Wings team that has just four wins in their last 10. The Lightning, they've scored 22 goals in their last three games, and yes, Columbus looked good when they beat the Edmonton Oilers earlier in the week, but before that, they lost four in a row. You outlined it earlier in the show. Both Tampa and Toronto have something to play for tonight. They're both on home ice, and they're both starting their number one goalies. I like these two teams to roll in regulation. The parlay pays plus 107. My second play, Vancouver on the puck line. I think Vancouver, even though the results maybe haven't been there the last few games, they've been playing some pretty good hockey. Even though they're kind of down and out, they're still showing some fight. And I like the Canucks on the puck line. They're 4-0-2 on home ice this month seattle's lost both games of their road trip so far so again another home team the plus money payout is nice there plus 115 and i'm quickly adding the Rangers on the money line as well. The Canes won't have either Ranta or Anderson. It's Kiyachev or however you say it confirmed between the pipes. I know he's picked up a couple of wins, but still, I love the Rangers on home ice tonight. The money line payout is minus 120. So there are my three plays and going into my props, I'm doubling up on that Tampa Bay matchup and in sort of a way tripling down on this Tampa Bay bet tonight, starting with Braden Point at the top plus 115. He's got an assist in back-to-back games and I think Tampa will be able to get the offense going elvis merzlikens was great earlier in the week but the jackets they they bleed scoring chances so i think point can pick up an assist and i'm also going with andre palat to pick up an apple at plus 150 um this guy hit this in four of his last five he was on a four game assist streak that was snapped last game so again that plus 150 payout is just too good for me to pass up deep breath i'll recap palat assist point assist Rangers money line Canucks puck line, Tampa, Toronto regulation parlay. There you go, Frank five plays
2: tonight. I'm loading it up. Let's go. That's a degenerate smorgasbord of everything (laughs) happening tonight. (laughs) I love it. Take it and shoot it into my veins. Sign me up. Uh, Well done, Tyler. That brings us to garbage time. Mike, what has caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the national hockey league? I cede the floor to you. You know,
3: we really got to give some love to the Vancouver Canucks for a team that was nowhere in the end of November, early December, Bruce Boudreaux comes in, does a great job turning things around and man, they've battled so hard down the stretch. I mean, a six game winning streak, they've gotten points, eight of 10 games. Elias Petterson has looked dynamic. He's been one of the top players in the league for my eyes, especially in March and April. I mean, 17 points his last 10 games shooting the puck in stride demko is a factor every night man like frank i think vancouver can with some tweaks next year be in the mix and doesn't it seem like bruce boudreau is a huge reason for this and why he needs to be there next season
2: everything about that team changed with the coaching change the energy the atmosphere, the confidence level, and you saw it really right from the first game. The numbers don't lie. 30, 15, and 9. That means the Vancouver Canucks have gotten points in 39 of the 54 games that Bruce Boudreaux has coached this year. And if you take a look at their 639 points percentage, and that's a pretty big sample size, nearly 55 Mm -hmm. games, almost 60 games by the time this is all said and done. 639 points percentage when extrapolated out over the course of the entire 82 game season would put the Vancouver Canucks in second place in the Pacific. That's how good they've been since Bruce Boudreaux took over on December 5th. And they're a team that I think has sort of validated the work that jim benning and his group including our own chris gear did prior to the season in assembling these foundational pieces were there missteps along the way of course yes there were but elias petterson as you mentioned uh quinn hughes on the back end uh you know Thatcher Demko just straight up Demcoing teams in net over the last number of weeks and months they've been, he's been a big reason why they are where they are as well they've got the pillars now it's time to go out this summer and find those support pieces what happens with JT Miller uh what happens with Bo Horvat as a pending restricted free agent uh lots of work for the Canucks to do what kind of stamp will Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvain put on this franchise I'm excited to see it because I think the whole NHL is better when Vancouver and the entire market is engaged like they have been over these last number of weeks.
3: I agree. And more than anything, I think the Canucks found their fun factor again. That was, changes everything. You see smiles on their face. You see them having a good time. Sometimes all it takes is a coaching change for that to happen. No doubt about it. Boudreaux has energized that club and their team to keep their eye on for next season.
2: Yeah, no doubt about that. Mike, well said. That'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. So much happening across the National Hockey League tonight. Check out dailyfaceoff.com, as I mentioned, for the story on all the breakdown of the implications and scenarios for tonight. Keep it locked on Daily Faceoff throughout the playoff chase. We'll be back right here tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern, on Wednesday to break it all down. We'll talk to you then.
1: Thanks for watching The Daily
0: Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...
0: But there's more, you gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under